you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 6, 19 to 34. If we could stand as we read the word like we used to in the good old days. So this is a, a bit lengthy for an opening text for me. Uh, in the book of Nehemiah, they read the Bible all day and everyone stood. I think we'll be okay for a minute. That's all right. <laughs> Matthew 6, verse 19 says, Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, that eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But that I be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body and what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to his stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after... All these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first. Everybody say first. I've never done that before. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient until the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray. Once more, before we go into the Word, God would continue to, to move and have His way. Jesus, hallelujah. God, we thank you of your Spirit that's already here working. Jesus, we thank you for your Word. And God, I pray that these two would work together in harmony. God, to have your will, see your will accomplished tonight. In Jesus' name, God, I pray, anoint our ears to hear. God, and my mouth to say it. In Jesus' name, God, I pray, just have your way. The remainder of the service in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated if you want. Um, that was a long one. I've heard longer. Uh, throughout the Bible and specifically in the teachings of Jesus, uh, we find things that we're told to make a priority. Uh, Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> I just remember all the old preachers growing up there. According to Webster's Dictionary, um, Webster's Dictionary uh, defines the word priority as the quality or condition of being prior, precedence in time, order, importance, 
etc. And this may come to a shock to us, but we're humans. You too. And being human, we have flaws. And being human, we often try to make our own way. And we will often try to control our own destiny. And we will rank things sometimes consciously and sometimes um, unconsciously, subconsciously, um, by, by matter of importance. And we will show this by what we spend our time on and what we pursue. And no doubt we all have a list of things that need to be done around the house. I don't know if you've seen the yard. There's leaves everywhere. And they're not done yet. I don't know. Do you rake them? Then let more fall? Or do you just let them all fall and then rake them all together? I don't know. We got raking to do. We've got things that need to be fixed. We got wood that needs to be piled or brought in or whatever you're doing with it. You got a chimney that needs to be cleaned or a furnace that needs to be cleaned out or sweeping that needs done or mopping or dishes or whatever. Laundry, never-ending laundry. The more people, the more laundry there is. Wild. All these revelations tonight. And we will prioritize these things. And that's, you know, that's not saying don't do those things. But we'll make a priority of certain things and we all have things that we will we will do every day, and then we have things that we'll do when we get the time, or you know, whenever your spouse gets upset enough at you, whenever whenever the time is, who knows? And then we'll do that with bigger things, with uh, education, with jobs, um, you know, applying for other jobs, or whatever, saving for a house, or a car or whatever, paying off a debt, will prioritize certain things in our life at certain times. And of course, this will overlap into the spiritual side of things. And oftentimes, we will put matters, but, uh, other matters before the things of God. And the things of God will become, sometimes we're not careful, like a, a spare time project in our lives. Something that we'll get to when everything else is done. While none of us set out to disobey the word or to offend God, we can often, by allowing other things take precedence or become our main priorities, we can often end up disobeying the word and um, disobeying God. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. He says, Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy Wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in, in rich food. He says we will often spend money on things that we don't, you know, don't matter and we'll spend time working uh, for stuff that does not satisfy. So instead we should come to God. And I believe that this is just what we do naturally. So we have to intentionally follow the word. And when uh, we get our priorities lined up with the Bible and the will of God, everything else will fall into place like Jesus says. And our relationship with God will be stronger. Our relationships with each other will be better when we allow the Bible to order our priorities. And so as you see about the thing on the screen, um, for the next little bit, I'd like to talk about some of these priorities um, the next few weeks hopefully, 
according to the Bible, there's a few things that Jesus says that we should put first. And it's not to say that other things are not important. Um, that's not saying that these cares and worries of life that we have aren't important, because they are. That's why they're so pressing on our minds. It's that we tend to put them first. I'm not saying you don't need to get your wood for the winter. You do. <laughs> or you'll freeze. I'm not saying you don't need to do all these other things around the house. You do. I'm not saying you don't need to go to work. You do. But if that becomes all that we focus on, that's all that our main priority is, we're going to miss out on things of God. And the old saying is, don't put the cart before the horse. I imagine you've heard that. I've never had a cart nor a horse. <laughs> but when we get things in order, it goes a lot better. T.F. Tenney used to say, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And in Matthew chapter 6, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, he's teaching his disciples. And he's kind of, if you read through it, he's kind of going through a lot of these preconceived notions and ideas that they have about the world that have been shaped by the law and by the Pharisees and by their culture and society. And they have these ideas of how things should be. And he's kind of trying to straighten out some things before they get going. And uh, one of the first things that he says is that we should seek the kingdom of God first. And I know that we know this. It's been preached many times. It's been taught many times. I've preached and I've taught it before. My roommate Jerome used to say, seek ye, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And it's always in my head when I, I read these verses. But even though I know, you know, we know it, it's often harder to do it. And it's often harder to remember to do it. And so once more, I just want to remind us of, of this. As we as people naturally seek things. Some will seek fame and fortune. And some will seek thrills. And some will seek power, um, pleasure, whatever it is. Everybody's seeking something. There are all kinds of things that we can seek after. And all kinds of things asking for us to seek after them. In Matthew 6, Jesus gives us two groups of things. One, that people will seek after. We'll call it the things of life. Matthew 6, 24 or 25. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. It is it's not life more than meat and the body more than raiment. These are the things that people are looking for. Food, drink, clothes, money, whatever. And then he says the thing that we should seek after, the kingdom of God, in verse 33, we seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things that everyone else is looking for, all these things will be added um, unto you. Jesus doesn't say that we should not seek after these things. It doesn't say that we shouldn't pursue other things. It doesn't say we shouldn't have any hobbies. And all we do is sit around and read the Bible all day and fast until we die and pray all day long. It doesn't, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying we shouldn't get an education or we shouldn't go to work or we shouldn't be busy and shouldn't do things. What he says is these things should be second. We seek the kingdom first. 
That's the difference. There are a couple of things that will, if we're not careful, will cause us to place the wrong things first. Worry and greed will cause us to put the wrong things first. We'll get there in a minute. I know we're kind of all over the place. I'm going to backtrack a bit and go through the text that we read. If you read the opening text, you can see the different things we can come or become preoccupied with. He talks about loving another master besides him. He talks about having food to eat and providing uh, something to drink. He talks about being occupied with what we're going to wear. Um, you've been at my house on any given day. There's a lot of that going on. I don't know what to wear. From everyone. I got no clothes. We, we are, talks about being concerned over our physical stature or worrying about the future or storing up treasures and all these different things. And so we all have treasures. We all have things that are valuable to us. We all have things that we prioritize naturally. Uh, the old, there's the old question they used to ask, you know. I used to do these silly little email forward things back in the, I don't know, early 2000s. I'm going to ask you all these questions. The one that was always on there is like, if, if your house was on fire in the middle of the night, what three things would you take with you? People would ask that to each other. If you ask that in church, everyone's going to say their Bible, obviously. Well, we've, got, we've got things that we, that are treasures to us. And we've got things in our lives that are more valuable to us than others and maybe there's an emotional attachment maybe it costs a lot of money and maybe it's an heirloom passed on or whatever but we've got treasures that we laid up some of us collect things anything <laughs> some of us collect certain things books I don't know shoes guns cars china teapots music my mother collected music boxes forever some people collect dolls um, hockey cards whatever people collect a lot of different things and it seems to be a thing that we have as, as people. It's a habit to collect things or treasures. And some of us didn't have a lot growing up. And so now we're able. You just get stuff. Because you, you can. You know, build up different reasons. We like to lay up treasures. Um, there's a newer thing going around. Called minimalism. Where you just live simply. You don't have a lot of stuff. And you don't have a lot of space. You get rid of things. Small amount of clothes. Small amount of things. Just the necessities. And it's been studied and linked to being more happy or content because having a lot of stuff can stress us out. Um, having a lot of clutter around the house can stress us out. It can be overwhelming. More stuff does not always equal more happiness. And that sort of thing is interesting to me. I'm always saying we're going to get rid of everything, throw it all away. But then it comes again with the stuff I like, so I don't know. But they may be on to something. Jesus said in Matthew 6, again, 19 to 21, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He says, don't lay up treasures. The disciples, they were much different than us. You know, people are people. Peoples is peoples. Um, this would have been something they dealt with too. If you look at the Bible, Old Testament folks, um, specifically, they just had masses of stuff. They go, the Bible lists all the things Abraham had, all the things Job had, all the things 
Solomon had. Thousands of animals, like that's necessary. Thousands of animals and servants and all that stuff. Because to them, having more stuff meant they were more blessed. But, you know, stuff can just disappear if you ask Job. And as long as there's treasure, there's going to be thieves. So there's two ways to live. You can live to make money or you can make money to live. And if we're living to make money, then money becomes our master. But if we make money to live, then money becomes our servant. Money or working for treasures or stuff is a cruel taskmaster. You end up working more hours than needed, working overtime, you miss church, you miss your family time to buy bigger and better things that you won't have time to enjoy because you don't have time because you're working. No matter how much you get, it's never enough. One of the things I learned from our short time in Benin was that um, more does not equal more happiness. Some of the most happy people I'd ever met lived in a one-room house with their whole family. Didn't even have a bathroom or a kitchen or anything. Just cook outdoors and do other things outdoors as well. They're some of the happiest people I ever met. But as Jesus says before in the Bible, he says, your heart will reveal your actions. Like we said this morning, where you're your heart reveals, your, your mouth reveals what's in your heart, and your actions, your heart will reveal your actions. Where your treasure is, your heart will be too. And just like your actions will reveal in your heart, what's in your heart, your words will reveal your heart. Your treasure will reveal your priorities. That was a mess. Just get that part. Your treasure will reveal your priorities. What you deem important says a lot about you. And Jesus obviously knows this. He knows people. He knows his disciples. He knows us. So he gives us a warning. Verse 24, he says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Mammon, we know, is just old English for money. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. If we become consumed and caught up in chasing after the dollar or yeah, the dollar, we're going to say the cents. No one wants those anymore. So what the, chase it after the dollar. Or, our walk with God will suffer. Our families will suffer. We may have more. We may be more comfortable. We may have a bigger house. We may have a car that doesn't break down all the time. We may have all these other things. We may be able to boast a little more. But our lives will be less contented. That's all our focus is because contentment isn't found in stuff, it's found in Jesus. Why do we chase after treasure, I said before? What causes us to store up treasures is two big motivators. There's greed and there's worry. Greed is the more popular of the two. It hides in different ways. Um, shows up through covetousness, lust, all that sort of thing. Greed has no place in, in our hearts. If you look through the Bible, greed's a downfall of a lot of people. Eve wants the, the fruit so she can know more, according to the serpent. And Lot, you know, pitches his tent towards Sodom because it looks better, and he wants a better portion than, than Abram, and he, he loses his wife and almost loses himself. And Jacob um, deceived his father and stole from his brother, and that's just the first 29 chapters of the Bible. And Jesus tells a story of a farmer on a huge crop, more grain than he had uh, a place to store it. But God had blessed him to bless others, and instead he decides he's going to tear down his barns and build a bigger one to keep it all for himself. And that night, 
he passed away and took none of it with him. And greed is short-sighted and self-centered. They will step on people to climb the ladder, will hurt others, and think we're helping our family by giving them more things. And in the end, we rob them of quality time. So the opposite of greed is contentment. Contentment tells us to be happy with what we have. First Timothy 6 and 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. So there's greed and then there's worry. And worry is a lot more subtle. And some may even consider it to be less sinful. But worry and, and fear tell us that a day is coming where all this is going to fall apart. And so we need to be ready. Constantly worrying. So you're constantly storing up treasures. And because everything is going to fall apart and the economy is going to collapse. And you got a little storehouse in the basement full of canned goods. In case something happens. There's a wisdom of being prepared, but we can go overboard. And Jesus has the same solution for both of these. He says, trust. And if we're so worried and anxious about what's going to happen, we're not trusting God. Worry comes naturally, but it's, it becomes a sin when our focus is on ourselves and these things first. And we forget to bless the kingdom of God. I'm not saying to sell everything. I'm not saying to turn your paycheck over to the church every week. That's not the kind of church we're running here. But if we are living in his kingdom, then our priorities need to match that. So all that stuff to say this. If we're living in his kingdom, then our priorities need to line up with his kingdom. We have bills. We have responsibilities, obviously. I'm not trying to rip anyone off. But our priorities, when our priorities are aligned with his kingdom, including our treasures, including what we see as important, that's when the blessings come. I'm not saying quit your job and don't work. We need to do that. But there needs to be a balance. What's more important, your treasures? Well, your, what you value will show what's more important. There's a story of a young guy. I think he was out west somewhere. Um, he's, they were taking up a missions offering uh, at a big service, like one of those big district-wide ones. Um, I want to say it was a Sheep for Christ rally. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And this this young guy, teenager, he had a an ATV or a four-wheeler. I don't know what you call them here. I always call them four-wheelers, and other people started calling them other things. So I don't know. He had an ATV. And um, he had the keys on him at the service. And he got up and he said that he'd sell it for whatever X amount of dollars, and he was going to give that money to the offering. Um, so the preacher running the service or whatever says it. Um, and then there's a guy, a man, he feels moved by this dedication from this young, young guy and he offers to buy it and tells the preacher to give the key back to the kid. And then the preacher says to the young guy, what do you want me to do with it? And he says, sell it again! <laughs> and he sold that thing. I don't remember the exact number, but he sold that multiple times during that service. I don't know if he ended up with it or not, but he sold it several times. He raised several thousands of dollars um, for missions that service because he had his priorities lined up with the kingdom. And God used that young man in that one service to raise several thousand um, dollars for missions. <laughs> Sell it again. He's, Priorities were lined up. I don't know if he bought that for himself or his parents did. I don't know how that went down, but he's 
His priorities were lined up, and God worked and moved in that, and it was an incredible story. And again, I'm not saying to sell everything and turn everything over to the church, we're, you know, but if we're living in his kingdom, our priorities need to line up with his kingdom and need to match his kingdom. Paul says that we should work. First, or 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10. For even when we're with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. It's important for us to work. It's important for us to be busy and do things. And, but there needs to be a balance. And Jesus gives his disciples a few illustrations in Matthew 6 to encourage them not to worry. And the same kind of things still apply to us today. For it says in verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment. So he reminds us, he reminds them that life is more than what we eat or what we wear. If we believe that he's our creator, if he's the one who gives us life, if he's the one that created us fearfully and, and wonderfully, uh, if we're fearfully and wonderfully made, certainly he can give us food and clothes. Surely he can do that. Verse 26, he says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? I don't know. Not so much now, but in the springtime. The birds, they're everywhere. Around the house. And they're waking me up every morning. In the summer and before the sun, some of them are up singing these sweet little balls of feathers waking me up in the morning. Somehow in the spring they're still alive through the winter. I don't know how they're clueless. They fly right into your windows. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow they make it through. Somehow they have enough to eat. Somehow they survive. They don't worry about the food. They don't store up food like squirrels and chipmunks. We'll have a bird feeder out and they don't take a bunch and go put it somewhere else. They throw it all over the place. <laughs> they don't even care about that. Just make a mess. But they don't, they're not worried about it. They don't, they're still there. Somehow they make it through. Somehow they're, they're still alive and every spring there's still a bunch of birds waking me up in the morning. Every summer they somehow make it through and Sometimes they eat because of bird feeders. Sometimes I run out. And they go find it somewhere else. Sometimes it rains and, and worms come up and they get those. And, but all the time they're provided for. All the time God provides for them. And if he does that for the birds, how much more, he says, will he do for his people? It may not always look the same, but he always will provide. Verse 27 says, Which of you, taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? Um, some think he's talking about height. Some think he's talking about adding days to, to life. There's an argument there. But either way, it applies. Worrying and stressing is never going to make you taller. It's never going to make your hair grow back. It's never going to make the gray go away. It's never going to do any of those things. It's never going to add years to your life. Worrying will never make you live longer or better, but it can definitely steal time and years from our lives. And then he talks about the lilies in verse 28 to 29. Why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the valley, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. 
And yet I say unto you that Solomon and all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Lilies don't stress. They don't worry their flowers. But they don't do them. You don't see them panicking. Running around. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they, they're, they're beautiful. And Solomon, with all of his stuff, all of his treasures, all of his animals, all of his money, all his gold, all of his wives and concubines, and all the things he had, didn't look as nice as one of those little flowers. And if God cares for those, he says, how much more will he care for you? And then he ends this little lesson with a summary. 30 to 32. Hope, you can, hope you've been able to follow me. I know I've been all over the place. We're getting somewhere, I hope. 30 to 32, he says, Wherefore, if, so God, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which, is, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what all shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for heavenly Father knoweth that he have need of all these things. So he shows himself as a loving father is going to take care of those needs. Children don't worry about rent. Children don't worry about mortgages, bills, food, clothes. They just magically appear. Every day my children come home from school and say, I want a snack. Sometimes they're shocked if there isn't a snack. Because we didn't get grocery shopping that day. Something came up where we were going to go after school. Sometimes they just assume there's always going to be a yogurt tube in the freezer for Julia. They just assume there's always going to be whatever. It just magically shows up, they think. I think. They just trust that it's going to be there. They don't worry about it. Felix doesn't worry about eating. He gets cranky. <laughs> he doesn't eat, but he doesn't worry about whether or not food's going to come. And if he's our father, we need to be able to trust him like that. So what does all this have to do with the kingdom? The message of this little lesson, when we talk about not being greedy and not worrying, is we can show we trust him by putting the kingdom first. We show we trust him by keeping him number one in our lives and letting everything else fall into place. Failing to trust God for life's necessities, according to Jesus' teaching here, is apparently a lack of faith and characterizes us as being of little faith. Does that make sense? Failing to trust God for life's necessities is apparently a lack of faith and characterizes us as being of little faith. That's what he says. Oh, you have little faith. If you don't think, he can do it. And God has knowledge of what we need. And for us, to just put all of our focus on the physical, all of our focus on those types of things and those needs, and identifies us with the Gentiles in verse 32, he says. For us to make the physical our number one priority, for all of our focus to be on things and stuff and physical things, it connects us with the Gentiles. And here the word is not referring to someone who's not Jewish, but someone that's referring to the condition of the heart. The Gentiles didn't know God at this time. So for us, if that's all our focus, saying we don't even know him at all. 
William Beck translates that phrase into the people of the world run after all these things. James Moffat says, pagans make all that their aim in life. That's all their focus is. What we seek identifies us as either being a believer in God or in his eyes a heathen. What we chase after matters. Our, tri our treasures matter, our priorities matter. Seeking material things first and making them our primary object of attention shows God that we do not trust him to provide for us, so we will provide it ourselves. And that shows a lack of faith. Materialism and man's pursuit of it has become the downfall, I think, of North American society. We're always looking for something, and, and the enemy has tricked us into turning all of our energy towards these things, as Jesus said. What we worry about and what we seek after, God provides for the birds and the lilies and the grass. Even all his creation who don't put any effort into providing for themselves, God provides for them. What we still seek after, God will supply for us if we only put his kingdom first. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And like most of Jesus' teaching, this is a simple thing to say, but it's a hard thing to do. It means to put his kingdom first before we look to promote ourselves in our name, promote his church in his name, before we save up treasure, give to his kingdom, before we invest more time in making more money to get more stuff, invest some time in his kingdom and teach a Bible study and disciple someone and lead someone to Jesus or, or work for him in some way. And when we invest our time into his kingdom, he's promised to bless and take care of us. We all have talents. We all have abilities. Some teach, some sing, some can count, some can build, and some love children, some don't. Some love working with teenagers, some don't. Some love different cultures and um, drama and, and skits and computers and some are good with the sound and some are good with outdoor stuff, landscaping, some are good at cleaning, some are good at visiting and praying and some are just good at organizing fellowship and getting together and all that. We all have different talents and abilities and whatever gifts he's given us, whatever personality we have, there's a place for us in his kingdom and when we invest it and we put his kingdom first, he will take care of of us seeking his kingdom first as us asking every day, how can we be a blessing? Sometimes it's giving to a missionary so a new church can be built in a country we may never have heard of. You know, I think of Sister Carter <laughs> selling all the things she sells at Miller Lake just to put roofs on churches in Ghana. And now it's in, oh, I just forgot, Gabon. Buying chairs last time I heard for a place called La La La. Can't even make it up. If I told you there was a place called La La La, you wouldn't believe me. You probably still don't. Sometimes it involves letting our kids go. We've all got dreams for them. What do we do when they come home from a service or a camp and say they feel called to Japan or Nicaragua or Madagascar? Do we let them go on a trip? Do we support that? Sometimes it involves giving up personal dreams. We need to seek his kingdom and his righteousness too. More important than stuff or treasures is being right with God. The old song says, above all else, I must be saved. Because at the end, none of the other things matter. His kingdom and being right with him 
matter. Trisha, it's your turn. If you're out there, please. Jesus promised that if we put his kingdom first and his righteousness and we tried to live for him and we we live right that he would take care of the rest he'd provide everything we needed because he's a loving father so i hope you're rambling through this for longer than i should have made some sense but today is a good day to take an inventory to keep our life in balance and obey obey him there's some things we can do we can set our affections on the things above. We can love God and the things of God more than earthly things. We can lay up treasures in heaven. And this can be done by giving time, by giving money, by giving our talent to the, to the work of God. We can set aside some of our time to, to engage in both physical and spiritual causes in our church. Take time to pray and fast and read the Bible and make sure we're at church as well as spending time with family. We can respond if God calls us for a special work or he gives us talents and needed areas, music, teaching, whatever. We make that a priority. We can pay our tithes and give offerings and as we are blessed that way we can bless God's work and the less fortunate. Don't develop a spirit of pride when you have things. Don't think yourself better or above those who may have less than you. These are all things we can do. We can bear in mind that things are temporary items for our use. Soon we will leave them to give account to God of how we use them. Does that make, that make sense? We're going to spend some time in prayer tonight. I know I've preached longer than I normally do. But I'd like to take some time and, and search our hearts and let God search our hearts and take inventory of our hearts and make sure that our priorities are, are lined up with Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. What do we put first? If you had one hour to do anything, what would you do? What's the first thing we do in the morning? What occupies our thoughts during the day? Are we consumed with trying to get ahead? Are we constantly worrying because we're afraid of the future or afraid we won't have all that we need? If we need to tonight, we can ask for forgiveness from greed, and we can ask for trust, for worry. Because we aren't supposed to be living for this life, for this country. We're supposed to be living not for this kingdom, but for his kingdom. This life is a hotel, not a home. Just passing through. I know there's a song that says that. I can't remember it right now. He's preparing a place for us. And we put his kingdom and his righteousness first. He will take care of everything. Amen. So I wonder if we could stand. And just, or, or whatever, I don't know. Let's just find a place and let's pray. Let's just make sure tonight that, let's just take an inventory, like we said at the end there. Make sure that we're lined up with his kingdom.
If we put his kingdom first, he's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. He's going he's to do all the things that he said he was going to do. We don't need to worry about it. We don't need to get paranoid about it. We just need to let him do it and put him first. And he's going he's gonna to provide all those other things that we need. In Jesus' name, let's pray together. Hallelujah.